From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. And we are wall-to-wall geoengineering with a little 5G thrown in for good measure or bad measure, as the case may be. Filmmaker activist Matt Landman is here. FrankenSkiesTheMovie.com. And we'll get back to that discussion in a moment. I just wanted to speak to uh, Patreon supporters here for a moment or those considering becoming a Patreon supporter. There are three donor tiers to choose from if you'd like to get involved and become an official sponsor. Patreon.com slash Strange Planet. Patreon.com slash Strange Planet. As I say, three tiers to choose from, but you can give whatever you like, really. There's a rogue researcher tier, $5 a month. For that, you get the Strange Planet feature. That's an old weekly radio feature that I used to produce. So you get that delivered to your email. You get your name published on the uh, on the live stream. We do a crawl, what they call a crawl. It's like credits in a movie, and you'll see your name there, those of you in the Rogue Researcher group. And uh, actually, if you're watching on the, uh, the live stream tonight, you'll see your name float by. So that's the Rogue Researcher tier for $5, and then the Truth Seeker tier. For $10 a month, you get an episode of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, which incidentally is not currently available anywhere, anywhere else that is. But if you're a a truth seeker, one of my Patreon supporters, you get that uh, delivered to your email as well. And then the Star Chamber for $50 a month, you get the Strange Planet feature, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, and you get a thank you letter from me. Plus you get once a month, you get an on-air mention. All right. So again, that's patreon.com slash strange planet. So according to Forbes magazine, Bill Gates is funding a project that will dim the sunlight in order to cool the earth. The research is called stratospheric controlled disturbance experiment, stratospheric controlled disturbance experiment or SCOPEX. For its acronym in English, it's carried out by scientists from Harvard University, and it has the purpose of achieving that the sunlight is reflected outside the atmosphere of our planet. And this solution would be achieved by spraying tons of non-toxic calcium carbonate, that's CaCO3, into the atmosphere. Matt Landman is here to discuss. He's been tracking this for many years. And Matt has gained recognition as a leader in 5G and geoengineering chemtrail awareness activism. He presents unprecedented and view-changing information directly from official documentation and accepted research. He created the social change documentary Frankenskies, bringing awareness to ongoing atmospheric aerosol injections, chemtrails, weather modification programs, and geoengineering. He's hosted a series of conferences, events, and protests concerning the questions surrounding chemtrails and relentlessly continues to speak out against the ongoing lies in our skies. And in 2018, Matt hosted the third global summit to stop geoengineering in Tucson, Arizona, uh, after which this sky dimming experiment was placed on ongoing hiatus, except now we know they are pushing ahead with it. And Matt uh, says that they are going to move from 
non-toxic calcium carbonate into uh, the heavy metals, things like aluminum, barium, strontium. Uh, in fact, they have been doing it uh, for decades, perhaps 30 years. So, Matt, the effects of aluminum, we were talking about that, Alzheimer's and, and dementia. Uh, what about heart attacks? For example, has anyone tracked this? When they start to see these chemtrails, is there a corresponding spike in people showing up at hospital emergency rooms with heart attacks? I've spoken to researchers who have tried to make correlations, but it seems like that the spraying has increased to such a level that it's, it would be very difficult to show because they spray almost every day now in a lot of areas, <laughs> sadly. Right. And are there certain corridors where chemtrail spraying or geoengineering is more prevalent? And there are, are there areas that receive relatively little or no spraying? That's a great question. A lot of people have asked me that because people actually want to just es escape it altogether. It seems to me like Europe and Ireland and the UK and regions in Canada and the United States get it the worst. There are um, places like in South America and Mexico that don't seem to get it as bad. It is a global issue. There is no escaping it. And once it does launch full-scale deployment and they say that they're going to be doing it for your own good and it's on the front page of the paper, it'll be everywhere. It'll be everywhere all at once. But definitely people that I know that have moved to Mexico, they send me photos of the sky and they tell me that there's very few chemtrails compared to, like I lived in Vancouver, Canada. It's, it was so bad there. I lived in places on the coast of California where it's, it's, it's almost every single day. And there's places in the Midwest or in um, Arizona, for instance, where you'll get breaks for a few weeks it just really varies, and it varies where you are in terms of weather uh, patterns. If there's a lot of manipulation that has to get done because the jet stream comes through your area, then you're going to see a lot more chemtrails. But it's not always spraying chemicals on you or nano experiments or anything like that. Sometimes it's just manipulating the weather. It's hard to really know what exactly is going on when there's no scrutiny or transparency in our skies. Now, of course, the debunkers, the skeptics, say, you know, there's no such thing as chemtrails. What you're seeing in the sky are what they call persistent jet contrails. Now, even Rosalind Peterson acknowledged, the late Rosalind Peterson acknowledged, that there are things called persistent jet contrails. And in fact, they may be more responsible for the heating of our atmosphere than many other things combined. Because these persistent jet contrails, they could start out as, and I think people have seen this, they start out as this little narrow band in the sky, and then they expand. And Peterson points out that they can expand to as much as 4,000 kilometers across and last up to 20 hours. So talk to me about persistent jet contrails as opposed to chemtrails, right? They're two different things, but persistent contrails are also a problem, are they not? So when Rosalind Peterson was referring to persistent contrails, she was just playing the game of the terminology. As far as I'm concerned in my research, and if you look into the tropospheric aerosol program of the Department of Energy released in 2001, the contrails are referred to as precursor gases. 
you've got to know that different chemicals are being sprayed. You'll see a line that's a medium size and then a line that's shorter and then a line that's longer. There's three different chemicals being mixed in the atmosphere. Oftentimes you'll see them sprayed side by side and then it's very evident that there's a mixing going on. The high bypass turbofan jet engines that were released in the mid-60s, they took away the heating element. So there's no hot air being blasted from these jet engines. So the persistent contrail is the same as the chemtrail. It's just a different chemical being mixed. The whole hot air creating condensation in a humid atmosphere, that's all a con and a diversion and a distraction and it's actually a divisive tactic to get people um, divided on the topic. Oh, is that a contrail? Oh, is that a chemtrail? Oh, which one is it? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. I can't tell. Well, when you see the plane in the sky that's flying and there's nothing behind it, that's normal. And when you see something coming out of the back, it's a chemical being mixed in the sky. I know that's an elaborate, orchestrated, nefarious operation going on. It seems too big to be true, but yes, the small thing being sprayed could just be a precursor gas. When there's a lot of clear days in a row and then the planes start to show up and they, uh, they're actually priming the sky, you can see drones and planes zigzagging every which way, but they'll be leaving the shorter trails. Oftentimes they're just getting the sky ready like they're priming um, a painting or it's like making a base for a soup. You know, you've got to get the sky ready to lay out the other chemicals because different chemicals mix together to do whatever they want to do with what they're doing. Right. And you mentioned uh, drones. If they were doing this with commercial airliners, surely someone would see this and blow the whistle. Or are we talking about military transport planes like the Hercules? What are they using in terms of aircraft? Primarily, it's a drone operation, and they'll stick to... Uh, certain regions, and so it's all these different regional drone operations going from A to B and B to A, back and forth from these bases that can be in the water uh, in terms of like aircraft carrier stations and whatnot, uh, because I've, I have seen these going back and forth on the coastal, um, coastal bases like in California and whatnot. But the primary is drones, but I do think that there have been reports of, for instance, Ryanair in Europe having such cheap flights because they have sprayers outfit. And people do blow the whistle. There have been people step up, that step up. But oftentimes I highly doubt that anybody is willing to put their neck out there when there's such a covert, dark, seedy... Like, this is a very, very black ops operation. If you're going to go public with saying that you know some internal elements of this, you're going to end up like Ted Gunderson, who is an FBI chief, who got very vocal about this, and then his heart exploded. Mm. I guess we'll have to wait for maybe a deathbed confession or something like E. Howard Hunt and the Kennedy assassination before we get to the truth. I had someone email me the other day asking me to do another show on Morgellons, and it's been ages. I have done shows on Morgellons, but it's been a while. But maybe we can touch on it here. I don't know if there is any connection between this strange skin condition that people talk about where they have sometimes they feel like, you know, there are insects all over their skin and they just can't get any relief. They scratch and scratch and scratch and doctors tell them it's psychosomatic. It's all in their head. Some people have sent me pictures with 
tiny, almost look like multicolored wires coming out of their skin. And some people have suggested to me that there is a connection between chemtrails and Morgellons. Have you touched on that in your research? Definitely. So at the different conferences that I've hosted, I've tried to gather the top researchers in the chemtrail space, all the different activists on a global level. I've had smaller events, about a dozen or so, but the global chemtrail summits, I gather the top minds. Um, I got Terry Lawton um, from Ireland. He has a website, climatechangeagenda.com. I've had Ilana Freeland. She wrote a couple books on the subject and also Clifford Carnicom. I met him in Tucson. I filmed him for Frankenskies 2, interviewed him, and he spoke at the conference in Tucson, and he is the top researcher on Morgellons disease and claims that Morgellons comes from the aerosol spray. So Morgellons is very complicated, and it's hard to say exactly, in my eyes, exactly where it comes from. It was claimed by doctors to be psychosomatic, but now they're acknowledging that it exists, but they're saying that it comes from um, mutations from Lyme disease or something like that, from Lyme. I wouldn't be surprised if it came from genetically altered foods. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a combination of stuff. Definitely there's some weird stuff going on with the chemtrails. It's not just geoengineering. It's not just weather warfare or weather modification. There's also some experimentation going on with spraying uh, desiccated red cells, red blood cells with viruses. And, 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 and if you watch Frankenskies, you learn that in the United States, the city of St. Louis was sprayed with radioactive elements, even outfitting station wagons to spray neighborhoods with radioactive elements to see how many children would die from it. So the U.S. and the citizens of different countries have been experimented on with the aerosolization of different chemicals and I think also nanotubes, self-replicating carbon fiber nanotubes, all sorts of high-tech stuff, and we're definitely heading into a dystopian transhuman reality where they're going to be, well, they're injecting people with mRNA-altering vaccines. This is a reality. DNA-altering vaccines, which is a reality. They're talking about nanobots to upgrade or run or compromise our immune system. And these nanobots are going to need updates and upgrades, which might come from the Internet of Things, 5G technology and what have you. Um, I, launched, I launched an EMF protective clothing line called Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O. Please check out sparrowgear.com. I make these foam bags that I drop my phone in and I, I eliminate the tracking and tracing from COVID and whatnot, which is really popular. But it's so, in, so important to understand all these different variables. So the Morgellons, these crawling fibers out of people's skin, is it coming from nanobots, high-tech stuff in the chemtrails? It's quite possible. I can't conclude 100%, and I've done a lot of research on it, but there is a condition that people are suffering from, and it, it breaks my heart, and I know it's real because I've talked to these people, and they've sent me photos of these fibers that seem very high-tech that are crawling, that are coming out of their skin, you know? But um, I think there's a, there's a lot of playing God out there with, genetically modifying things and splicing different X, this and that. And I, I can't imagine 
vaccine industries injecting people with DNA from someone else and all these other chemical constituents and not seeing these and not expecting very weird reactions from from humans, you know? I can't I, I wouldn't imagine human beings be, being subject to so many different things and not having very weird reactions. But I also think that there is a dystopia on the horizon where we get pushed into a transhuman reality when people cannot procreate to the degree that they can nowadays, you know? And in that dystopia, the nanobot normalization will be on the horizon. And, you know, it seems like that before these things are consented to, they're already done to us. And then they, and then they ask if they can do it to us. And that would be the case with some advanced Morgellons type thing too. So it's really hard to say, and maybe only the future will tell. We have a few minutes here before the break, and we'll talk now and then continue after the break. But I want to ask you, you touched on this, and that is the connection or how things like geoengineering may be working in concert with the high-altitude auroral research project, this array of, of antennas up in the Copper Valley in Alaska, and there are other installations that are supposed to be sort of superheating the ionosphere. How are they connected? How are they working together? What is the object? Well, there was HARP, H-A-A-R-P, which is an acronym that stands for, I believe, the Highly Active Auroral Research Program. And it's basically this football-sized field of 50-foot-tall antennas. And all these antennas will pick a focal point in the atmosphere, and they'll superheat that focal point by having Tesla technology intersect radio waves. So radio waves are intersecting each other and microwaving, essentially microwaving a focal point in the atmosphere that can be uh, as large as a few miles or even thousands of miles. And they'll do that to create a high-pressure bubble to maybe steer a jet stream or create a heat wave or whatever. So that HARP antenna array was passed on from DARPA to the University of Alaska and in the film Frankenskies, there's a congressional meeting where it's handed down to um, the public, basically. Well, that technology was shrank down into these ionospheric heaters, and now they're deployed, mobilized, and they're all around the world. Okay? And what, they, what happens is the, the planes will spray, and no, it's not coming out of the engines. I hope I clarified that earlier. There's yeah, yes, there are drones that are outfit with sprayers. And oftentimes, if you zoom in, you can like, see massive sprayer on the back of these things. And the problem is that we can see it happening in plain sight, but they're telling us slowly but surely, we're going to do this for your own good. So it's almost pointless to wake up now because we're waking up to the reality that it's happening and they're doing it for our own good, maybe. And maybe they'll keep saying it's calcium carbonate. You know, it's really hard for us to prove what they're spraying when it's so high in the sky. Maybe they'll keep saying, oh, yeah, we're doing that when they keep, you know, spraying the aluminum. I got to jump in here, Matt. We'll take another yeah. time out. We'll come back and we'll pick up on HARP and its connection to geoengineering. And we'll also get into uh, 5G. Matt Landman stays with us. Frankenskiesthemovie.com, the website. Back with more. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just a quick programming note before we get back to Matt. I don't know if you've been following this, but the U.S. Navy has some patents 
not surprisingly, but they've got some patents on some technology. They say will, this is a quote, engineer the fabric of reality. These patents, they're calling them UFO patents, and they sound like they've been ripped from a science fiction novel. Apparently, they're doing things like they're working on a compact fusion reactor that could power cities, an engine that works using inertial mass reduction, a hybrid aerospace underwater craft. They're dubbed the UFO patents. And the War Zone, which is a magazine, has reported that the Navy had to build prototypes of some of these outlandish tech to prove that they worked. Anyway, I mention this because next week on the program, Dr. Paul LaViolette will be here to discuss the U.S. Navy's UFO patents. All right, Matt, we were talking before the break about the connection between HARP and geoengineering. And you are saying that HARP is kind of obsolete now. They have these mobile units, these arrays of antenna that they use to superheat the atmosphere and they can use that to move the jet stream and so forth so let's just dig down a little deeper in terms of how these devices are working in concert with let's say aluminum particulates or barium or strontium in the atmosphere what is the purpose well exactly so if you can spray aerosolized metallics and the two metallics for instance, will be charged negatively and positively, and then they'll be mixed together to create a chemical reaction in the sky. But then when you've got an, a metallicized atmosphere, then they'll zap it, they'll microwave it. It's like stick a piece of aluminum foil in the microwave. You see what happens? That's what they're doing to the atmosphere. And if you can superheat and 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 it helps keep them elevated as well when they use the radio frequencies, intersecting radio frequencies to superheat the atmosphere. The, the metals help to, to really heat it and to keep it going. And that with that technology, they can create a high-pressure system to maybe create uh, a heat wave or a drought or to steer jet streams to make it rain or, or flood where they want or they've even created directional arms of the jet stream and created flooding and weaponized jet streams and ca- caused things called an atmospheric river fire hose, or you can exacerbate hurricanes and whatnot. They could actually squash and put out hurricanes if they wanted to, but instead they intensify them, and that technology is exemplified also in Frankenstein's the movie. Can they steer a hurricane, either the path of a hurricane into an, a populated area or avert a catastrophe by steering it away? Definitely. There's HAMP, the Hurricane Atmospheric Modification Program, where black carbon soot was administered into the outer eye uh, wall, and it intensified hurricanes. And, and with the harp uh, high pressure uh, that they can build, these walls, it's a, like when you can create a high-pressure wall, it's, it's hot air going up. But when a weather pattern hits that, it has to move around it. So if you can create these walls, yes, you can steer tornadoes. You can create tornadoes. There's patents on these things. You can steer hurricanes towards or away from population-dense areas. All the patents exist. The technology is there. And it's ongoing, but the public is just not informed. You said you can create or engineer a tornado. Can you literally create a hurricane or simply steer them? You can create and also steer. In the south 
Atlantic, there's an island called Ascension Island, and it has a complex harp system array, which they, they're not always identical, but they are ionospheric heating technologies. They don't all look the exact same. But on Ascension Island, there's this ionospheric heating Doppler system, um, DARPA-type system, and it's said that this is where hurricanes are created on Ascension Island. That's where my research is shown. Now, is there a signature, for example, if you were to put a satellite image of a natural hurricane next to a, let's call it a man-made engineered hurricane, is there a signature that you could look at and say, aha, this one's man-made, this one's natural? It would be hard to say, but probably if you look at, when they heat the sky, you can see the ripples in the sky. You know, it's like um, experiments of sound waves going through like a mist, and then you can see these fine ripples. Or it's like if you throw a, a, a pebble into a pond and you see the ripples on the water, when you see these tight ripples in the sky, I mean, from satellite images, you can see great massive areas in the Pacific being superheated. And I would, I mean, basically, if you have a trained eye, you can see where these hurricanes are being created, yes. But it, it really takes a trained eye to be able to see, to understand what's going on and where. There was a famous weatherman, I believe out west, Scott, uh, his last name escapes me. I had him on the show. Uh, Scott Stevens, well. yes. Right. He was a weatherman, a meteorologist, and he basically quit because he came to realize, at least in his mind, that it's not a case of some of the weather being modified. He said it's all manufactured. Did Scott Stevens get too far out over his skis with that statement, or what do you think? Is all weather modified and manipulated? Well, to say that all the weather is modified is kind of a stretch, but I do believe that when we get rain, it's because someone has allowed it. When there's fluffy clouds and there's no planes in the sky, I can tell that that's a very natural weather pattern. Scott Stevens... What he did when he was working in um, Colorado is he reached a point when he couldn't predict the weather as well as he could when he was becoming a meteorologist and when he was working on the news. There reached a point when it became very difficult to actually predict the weather. And so he started doing time-lapse of the sky to try to understand what these cloud formations were doing and why. And all of a sudden he started to see the persistent linear cirrus cloud formations out of the back of jets, and somehow these jets were working in concert to manipulate the weather. And he started seeing that not only were they manipulating the weather, but that almost all of the weather patterns that he was seeing were being orchestrated. And then he started to calculate the weather changes and predict his weather forecast with the chemtrails in mind, and he started nailing it, which was amazing. But then the stations let him go because he talked too much about conspiratorial stuff, but he's, he's a fascinating story, and, and I think it's really great that he spoke out, but to say that everything is controlled, it's not. There's times when there's fluffy clouds in the sky, and things are happening the way that it is, but there's a moisture management system in the United States, and probably the entire world, and if they want to drought out your small farm and gobble it up and hand it over to Monsanto, that's going to happen, you know? So, ah, that's interesting. So is that how it's being used? Let's say, for example, and, and we mentioned that there are private corporations now that have technology to at least 
change the microenvironment in a certain area, let's say a little a valley somewhere, and they they want and it's and it's prime farmland, and that company wants that farmland, and so they could theoretically create a drought in that area in order to bankrupt the farmers, to force them out, and then come in and scoop up the uh, the acreage, maybe pennies on the dollar. Is that the is that the idea? Is that what, what game they're playing? Well, also, um, tornado, devastated farmland and whatnot. Yes, that is the game they're playing. And then that starts to make a lot more sense to people when they ask why. If you tell them that there's very greedy corporate entities that want to devastate small business and gobble up their farmland to make this, you know, monocrop industry. Big ag is a nefarious conglomerate, just like the big pharmaceutical and telecom and all those other agencies that we, that, that we cannot let control everything, these corporations, you know. So at the end of the day, yes, that is absolutely true. And also, but not limited to, extreme fires, ex- all these other extreme events that, you know, the, local, the, the small farmer and the, the small anybody, that's, that's the people that are under attack, the people like me and you, and the, the people that, that aren't the elite that can control the weather, that have a say, you know? Mm. The small farmer and the small businesses, I mean, if you just look at COVID and see the small businesses that are failing... The powers that be, they don't want these small entities to thrive. They want to eliminate the middle class. I mean, the farmers, the first to go in the, in the disruption of the food supply, I really start to question why Bill Gates is the largest farmland owner in the United States. If that man decided to just take a year off, we could see a food shortage just because of him. All right, we'll uh, pick that up on the other side. Matt Landman stays with us till the top of the hour. Phone lines open. I've got some questions from the live chat that I'll get to as well. Back with more of my conversation with Matt Landman on geoengineering right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. I'm just going to dive right into the live chat questions here. We've got a couple of Weiwei asks, why did they not make rain on the California and Australia wildfires? That's, I guess, kind of a rhetorical question, but go ahead. Well, that's a great question. If they can, then why wouldn't they? And it seems like they want to create fear. And, and in a space of fear, then they can control the people that are in fear. And if we're locked in this place of fear, we're not going to be empowered and feeling like that we can think for ourselves. We're just going to be a deer in the headlights. And when the news comes out and says that they finally have a solution to those horrible, tragic fires, we're going to just lap it up because in a space of fear, we can't think for ourselves. So ultimately, it's to scare us into thinking that we need something, which is geoengineering, which is dimming the sun, which is but giving the keys to the planet over to a rogue group of, quote, geoengineers. All right. Uh, Newsgirl23 asks, is there anything not manipulated by the powers that be? That's kind of a far-reaching uh, question. But 
take that one, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> just go out into nature. I, I, every time I get into the forest or get into nature, I don't regret it. You know, sometimes I've got to peel myself away from the computer or my Facebook. Please be my friend on Facebook, Matt Landman. Um, I've, actually, I've got another website, actualactivists.com. Very empowering, lots of truth and amazing stuff. And, yeah, there's stuff that the powers that be haven't touched. You know, imagine that we have a soul. That can't be corrupted. But if you get out into nature, you can see that there still is, you know, some beauty out there. And there is a lot of stuff worth fighting for. And we ha- all hope is not lost. All right. Uh, Jerome asks, he wants me to ask you, Matt, about the multicolored contrails, pink, orange, and black. He says, I've seen all of these recently coming out of the backs of various aircrafts. How are they different and what do they mean? Pink, orange, and black contrails. Well, sometimes the dark ones look dark because the sun is setting and they're just shadows. But also, there's different chemicals getting mixed up there. There's research showing that it's coal fly ash, that there's a a dumping of the leftover uh, residue from burning coal in coal-burning power plants. There's, um, it just really depends. Oh, pink, for instance has been shown to be lithium. There's Ann Fillmore out of Portland, Oregon, and she was studying these um, fogs that were coming off of the coast and off of coastal Oregon, and she would test the air, and lithium was showing up in high amounts. So oftentimes when you see pink, there might be um, a lithium dose, but different chemicals, different colors. I don't know exactly what for what, but I'd recommend if there's different colors in your sky and you happen to get some rain, get that rain water, get it analyzed. If your sky is orange all the time and you're feeling a little orange, get your blood sampled or your, you know, your hair tested. There's ways to kind of do the research on your own. And unfortunately, as an activist, you have to wear many hats and you have to become a forensics analyst and a meteorologist and a health expert and all these other things because you can't just trust your doctor anymore and whatnot. You know what I mean? Lithium. Uh, now, that's that's a, a drug commonly used with certain mood disorders. I think it's been used to treat uh, depression or bipolar uh, disorder. What would they be doing spraying lithium? Uh, pacification, similar to the fluoridation. Um, a lot of different things seem to be just to, like, tone people down and pacify them. But also... If you, I started to study Prince. Prince was speaking out against chemtrails before he passed away, and also Dick Gregory, another black activist. Dick Gregory was very vocal about it, and he said that manganese was being sprayed on the population in the ghettos of New York City and whatnot, and that people would erupt into violence. So sometimes they spray chemicals to make us passive, and sometimes they spray chemicals to make us violent. But also, I can't help but think that when 5G rolls out and more electromagnetic Internet of Things, frequencies are everywhere, and there's a cell tower every 500 feet and whatnot, and all of, this, all of these different microwave frequencies are everywhere, that they'll be able to fine-tune and really dictate even our mood if they want to. But you'll see a lot more manipulation when this um, frequency control grid is deployed. Uh, I remember back in the mid 2000s, maybe um, there was an article in the in USA Today, and it was, of course, it wasn't on the front page. It was like I don't know, page 20 of the front section, 
go figure. And and some it was a leaked memo from I think the U.S. or maybe the Pentagon, but there was a leaked memo about someone had they were blue skying putting lithium in the water supply uh, because they were anticipating some sort of breakdown in in uh, in society, maybe a an economic. Uh, some cataclysmic economic event, a depression. And so they thought that they could control people by putting lithium in the water. This was an idea that was floated. Um, and then nothing was heard from that story again. I looked for it. I couldn't find anything else. So do you think they're already doing that, putting water, uh, putting lithium in the water supply? Um, I definitely think that the water supply um, is experimented with, just like the food supply and the quote-unquote, medicine, and the air. Uh, you know, these, these research experiments are ongoing, and if you learn about even, like, the MK Ultra program in the United States and the, the dosing of people with, with drugs, with experimentation of... I mean, like, the experimentation, the Tuskegee Institute and whatnot, the experimentation of the populace, of the, of the people of the United States has been ongoing for quite some time. It, we just have to do a little digging to find out. And, and so many people have been subject to it in mass, and, and people are coming out of the woodwork with their stories of their MK Ultra and whatnot, that it's really not surprising that there's nefarious elements at play. I can't help but you know inform people to consider going backwards in technology. You don't need the 5G phone. You know, you really don't need the advancements that we've had over just recent years. And those those phones from the not-so-distant past, they don't radiate as much. They don't have as much tracking on them. And once you start to, you know, learn about grounding and unplugging to recharge and disconnecting to really own yourself and not be manipulated so much, I mean, there's so much learning that we can do about blue light and just owning our own truth and really realizing that knowledge is empowering and knowledge is power. And once we start to do that, you know, all these experiments on us and attacks on us, they, they, they become self-evident and they become laughable because we can, we can own all of this once we know that we're actually under attack, you know? All right, one final timeout. We'll come back with Matt. I promise we will get into 5G and also more questions from the live chat. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, Matt, let's talk a little bit about uh, 5G. And, you know, they're they're busy now building the infrastructure. They're spending billions. There's, you know, back and forth about who's going to get various deals to build the infrastructure. And there's concerns about this company that's controlled by the Communist Party in China, Huawei, and people seem to be focused on the security risks because they're afraid that the, and no doubt they are, building backdoors and and so forth, the Communist Chinese. Why wouldn't they do that? But people seem to be less concerned about possible health effects. What, what concerns you most about 5G? 5G that people don't understand, it's a completely new technology. It's different than 4G. 3G, 2G, all of those technologies are out the door once 5G comes. What 5G is, is it's an exponential increase in radiation levels. Your phone will be emitting about a thousand times more radiation than it was before. The reason being 
is 5G technology is a relay technology where you need this infrastructure of cell phone towers every 500 feet because the carrier wave okay, that carries the information, it cannot travel very far because it's so small. So size really matters, and I'll, and I'll break this down really quick. So radio waves carry information, and we've got AM radio waves, and those are 100 feet in size, and they can go really far, and they don't disrupt human DNA or anything like that. And FM waves are 10 feet in size, and as the radio waves get smaller and smaller, you can carry more data on them. Well, this 5G radio waves, it's measured in millimeters. And it ranges from one millimeter to about 15 millimeters. But when you get down to this small, small size, it absorbs into everything it hits, including people, including bees or even clouds or water droplets or trees and whatnot. So the data cannot go very far. So they need cell towers everywhere, and they need the cell phones operating as cell towers, basically. So say you're walking down the street and people, there's all these people around you um, sending text messages and downloading videos and downloading mo movies and acting, doing it on their phones or whatever they're doing. All that data is getting pushed along and it's going through your phone. It's not just your data going through your phone. It's all the information getting pushed down the stream, getting pushed as far as it can to the next cell tower, to the next cell phone in this like conveyor belt system. So it's completely different than like you getting on your cell phone right now and getting connected to your cell tower. It doesn't work that way because the frequency, the, the information can't travel as far as it used to. So now it relies on this network of all of the phones being involved and all of the phones relaying the information as far as it can and that results in so much more radiation coming out of that phone to the extent that it will decimate like if you're wearing it, if, you, if you've got it in your pocket and you're a male, after a certain amount of time, I don't think that you will be fertile anymore. You know, I don't think that women after a certain amount of time will have eggs that can reproduce because this, the, the, the carrier wave that is 5G is so small that it's going to absorb into our bodies. It's going to absorb into our reproductive organs and it, and it will cause this dystopian children of men type future, if you've seen this movie, Children of Men, or if you've seen the dystopian um, other films where, um, for instance, A Handmaid's Tale. In Handmaid's Tale, the currency is fertility because there's a dystopia on the horizon. And that's why I've created a silver-lined clothing called Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, that is a Latin word for hope, where I'm making baby blankets, men's underwear, cell phone bags, and all these other products to try to mitigate this increase in radiation because it's, it's not going to be pretty when children that are conceived, born, and raised in this environment cannot reproduce. It's going to push this whole weird transhumanism dystopia, and the powers that be are going to act like that they didn't see it coming. So this sparrow clothing is almost like wearable, like a wearable Faraday cage. Is that the idea? Uh, pretty much, but the silver, it doesn't like, it's not as conductive as an actual Faraday cage. So it, protect, it protects and it mitigates, but it, um, it's, it's, it's harmless in the case. Like in, as with a Faraday cage, it's actually like 100% and it's, it's, it, it protects from dirty electricity and it has to be grounded. But the technology of the woven silver or woven steel has been perfected over the past 30 years coming out of Asia where it's very, very popular. And I'm not, re, I'm not really reinventing the wheel. I'm just bringing... 
something over here to help protect us that has been very popular in Germany, Israel, France, Korea, Japan, China for decades now. So it's similar about, uh, to Faraday what, cage. What, and when you put your phone in the Faraday bag, essentially, and it cuts off your signal and you can't get COVID traced and tracked, it's basically a Faraday bag, yeah. What about linen, bed linen? Do you have sheets and things like that? I'm on the verge of that. I just came out with a baby blanket that I'm very proud of, and I've got men's underwear, and I'm coming out with leggings soon. I've got a, a, a unisex hoodie and T-shirts, and I do have this uh, sleeping bag that I haven't put on the website yet, but I'm, I soon will be coming out with scarves and, yes, adult linens and even curtains. All right. Give us the website again for the Sparrow um, clothing. Uh, S-P-E-R-O gear. Uh, G-E-A-R dot com or Sparrow Gear on Instagram as well. And S-P-E-R-O, Sparrow, not the bird, but it's a Latin word for hope. All right. Let's see if I can work in a couple of quick uh, YouTube live chat questions. GBGN1 asks, Matt, do you have any info on the artificial sun that China is making and its true use? That's very fascinating, the artificial sun. When the current sun goes behind a bunch of like a mist or clouds, it looks like a perfect disk already. And I do believe there's a very small group of nefarious characters, maybe working in conjunction with lower dimensional satanic elements, that may have already put something in front of our sun, um, a, a sort of uh, sun simulator to try to disrupt the the true essence that the download codes or whatever but that's that's all up for conjecture and usually when characters like china or the u.s government leak things like they're going to be doing something it's because they've already done it so i would i would think that there's some interesting technology out there and i i never stop asking questions especially when it comes to the stuff in our sky including but not limited to uh the sun and the moon and all of the different things that we have to wrap our heads around. You know, the lies never cease to amaze me. Uh, Not Gordian. (laughs) I love these handles. Not Gordian asks, Matt, can you name some household products that have too much chemicals we should immediately stop using? Uh, There's that ramen, like the the cheap ramen. It has a preservative in it, um, TBHQ, I think it is. Um, whatever the abbreviation is, it's, it's abbreviated because it's so long that they couldn't include it in the, in the ingredients list. But this, that top ramen that seems like a cheap, you know, bachelor food or whatever, it prevents you from uptaking minerals for like three days. So getting those preservatives out of your life, getting aluminum products like deodorant with aluminum, toothpaste with fluoride, you know, like be really conscious what you're putting into your body because your body is your temple. I personally try to eat very well. I, I do different chelation methodologies. I do detox baths with, um, there's a mustard bath that I do and Epsom salt baths. And I try to hit the sauna when I can, when it's not closed because of this um, COVID-1984 nonsense. But it's very important to mineralize and to eat healthy and to not eat a lot of sugar. A lot of people don't know that the sugar industry, if you're eating just sugar, it's probably GMO sugar beets. And for every molecule of sugar that you ingest, it takes 54 molecules of magnesium to process that one molecule of sugar. So it's important to understand magnesium and to get the magnesium in our body. Well, the central atom 
in the chlorophyll molecule is magnesium. So get your leafy greens and, and understand that it's important to eat raw, eat healthy. Okay. Um, learn about Dr. Sebi, an alkaline diet. You know, some of this stuff is so critical and so gotta, obvious. Got to leave, leave it right there, Matt. We're out of time. But uh, again, frankenskiesthemovie.com and Sparrow Gear, S-P-E-R-O Gear, G-E-A-R. A great pleasure, Matt. Thank you. We'll do it again down the road. Be well. You too. All right. Thank you to Carlos and Ryan. Back next week with Dr. Paula Violette. In the meantime, there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. And, uh, well, we're out of time. (laughs) Got to go. Bye for now.